1: Everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I've got my co host Chris here, as well as our producer Uriah. And before we get into tonight's episode, I do want to talk about some major tra- changes coming to the podcast. Now, for 227 episodes, yep, this is the 20, 227th episode, we have been doing purely just audio. And after talking to people on fansighted and just getting all of our ducks in a row, we are excited to announce. That for our two hundred and twenty-eighth episode, we are switching to YouTube.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was
1: hoping for Uriah to play the little cheer thing, but you know what? That's okay, though. That's okay. <laughs> I, was that been the... I was looking at no, the stats. I was looking at stats, my bad. You <laughs> know, no, no, you're good. You're good. But so we will be you'll be able to see all of our lovely faces. Uh, we're gonna practice our new format of how we're gonna talk about our subjects here. It's very exciting. I'm excited. It's been a long time coming. Pretty much ever since Uriah came on, he's been wanting to do a YouTube page, and now it's finally happening and we couldn't be more excited.
3: Yeah, big stuff.
2: Yeah, we're ready to take this thing to the next level. And we're going to get right into the Sixers' loss tonight. It's not looking good to start the season. The Sixers' lost tonight to the Toronto Raptors, 119-109. The team stats are a little bit deceiving considering the Sixers seeming like they couldn't stop anything that Toronto was doing on defense if I look at the box score team-wise Toronto shot 54 percent Sixers shot 50 percent which you wouldn't think so because at certain points during the game it felt like we should have been down by 30 points three-point percentage believe it or not the Sixers shot better than Toronto a free throw percentage toronto hit 78 percent sixers 68 percent not helping themselves in that department Sixers were out rebounded more assists for toronto across the board It seeming it seemed like nick nurse had a great game plan for the sixers so let's start off with what we thought about the play of the starters lucas what'd you think of the starters for the sixers
1: the nice thing is that tyrese maxey finally had a breakout he had 31 points to tie Joel for team leading scoring. I believe leading scoring in the whole game. Yeah, so that's that's a positive note for Tyrese and Joel, both getting uh, scoring, making about 12 field goals each. You know, Maxi, we kind of were waiting for that one Maxi game. We got it. Sadly, it came in a loss. But you know what? It's nice to know that Maxi the. Raptors might be able to slow down some of the Sixers players, but Maxie isn't one of them. We saw that during the playoffs last year. We saw it during this game on the negative note, I'm, you know, Tobias Harris had a poor shooting night, but he really impacted the game in other areas with assist and rebounding. So that was a positive note. I I, I will take away from.
3: Yeah. Um, both good points. Lucas. I, I mean, look, this, you could argue that this was Joel's best all around effort so far this season, Definitely Tyrese's best game so far, and James—it it wasn't his most explosive game, but it was a pretty decent James game. And they still lost. They're one and four, which is kind of a bummer. Um, it's concerning. It's certainly concerning. I, you know, we'll we'll probably get into our level of concern here as the podcast goes on. Like, offensively, I have every I have every confidence that this team is, is going to figure it out. You know, there's just too much firepower in that starting five for them not to be a good offensive team. PJ Tucker continues to do a lot of good things on both sides of the ball. This was a pretty rough Tobias game, but you know that is what it is. It happens. Um, so yeah, I, I'm offensively not a lot of complaints from me. I, I do think there is something to be said for how often it, you know, is just iso ball with James or Joel, but. Yeah. Joel has looked a lot more comfortable these past couple games playing ISO. Like, like that's just how those guys play. Those guys Mm -hmm. are two of the best isolation players in the NBA. James has been handling pressure a lot better the past couple games, or Joel has. So, you know, I mean, that's just kind of how this team is probably going to operate. They would, you know, be wise to mix it up a little bit here and there. But generally speaking, we're going to see a lot of ISO and it's probably going to work a fair amount because Joel and James are two amazing offensive players. So I'm I'm really not worried about the offense defense is, is a whole nother story uh, that, you know, the transition defense and the three point defense, it's just not cutting it right now. And clearly there's a lot for this team to, to still get, you know, schematically they still have a lot to learn. They're still relatively, New together. They're trying out new things. It's early in the season. I'm, I'm not panicking, but defense, they, they have a long way to go, which is uh, concerning.
1: Absolutely. Transition. Joel's never been a good transition defender. James has never been a good transition defender. Put them to two, the two together. The team's not going to be a good transition team. It's just not going to happen. Good news is transition doesn't mean as much in the playoffs as it does during the regular season. However, it is a problem to address during the regular season for sure.
2: What did you guys think of Doc Rivers going to the, the zone defense in the second half? Do you think it made much of an impact? What's your take on that?
1: I, I, I think it helped. I mean, look, you got, for a team like Toronto, you got to throw different looks because especially with a long, lanky team like that that's while they, they had a good shooting night, not particularly like superb shooters, you've got to try to make them beat you outside. Like, if I'm if I'm game planning against Toronto, I'm betting on trying to get them to beat me outside because, you know, I don't think, you know, Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi shot two of seven from three-point line. Fred and who's usually a sniper, only made two of five. Like, Gary Trent Jr. was the one that killed him from deep. Him and Siakam. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I'm not, like, you make Toronto beat you outside because I don't, you know, inside they can... They can get to the lane because of their size and length whenever.
3: Yeah, I agree. I mean, in different looks, it's the regular season. Now's the time to try out different things and and to experiment a little bit based on need. Obviously, Toronto was pretty much out ahead the entire game, and every time the Sixers put together a run, the, the Raptors responded, and that's a credit to them. And it's not just transition defense. Like in the half court, they're just giving up too many easy drives. They're collapsing the defense. They're giving up open threes. Like there are a lot of issues all around. Um, But again, we're five games into the season. It's just way too early to have any major concerns. I I think the fact that Joel was looking more like himself and the fact that James looks as good as he does. I, I mean, that alone is enough for me to be like fairly confident in how the season is going to go long-term. Like, 1-4 and is really disappointing. And I'm, like all of you, I'm just sitting in front of the TV throwing my arms up while Toronto scores a bunch of points unguarded on the fast break. But long-term, I, I'm pretty confident that they're going to figure stuff out. Now, is it, like, concerning that they've been a bad transition team the entirety of Doc Rivers' years career, and he talks about it every night? Okay, but that's it's not years. just okay. I'm gonna. Yeah.
1: Right, I, I got a but. It's not just Doc. Like they were bad under Brett
3: Brown too. No, so. I understand. Yeah, I'm not saying it's just Doc. Like the effort level is inexcusable all around. But you know, if we if we want to like bring up how could one criticize Doc Rivers, the fact that the effort level hasn't been there for two years is is an issue. And some of that's on Doc. Some of that's on Joel. Some of that's and the roster as a whole, but it's it's an issue all around.
2: All right, well, let's move on to the bench. And if I told you how many points the bench had, I mean, it's just really sorrowful that total of all the players that came off the bench, minutes giving uh, our starters a rest, a total of eighteen points from the bench. Now, people might say, "Oh, that's that's actually not bad." But if you look at the inefficiency of their shooting. It's definitely not good. So, Lucas, what was your takeaway of the bench?
1: If I'm Doc Rivers, I'm considering a a lineup change. Because, look, he clearly just refuses to want to play Paul Reed any meaningful minutes. He only got three minutes. That's not really a lot of time to do anything. And Paul Reed proved during the playoffs last year he can actually hold his own against Toronto. He went to Montres Herald in the first half. It was disastrous. Montrez is not gi- – Montrez's one thing is that he's instant offense off the bench. He only – he had two free throws, four minutes, missed both of them. He's not giving you that and only one rebound. Like, Montrez is not the answer, okay? I like his, his energy and stuff, but, like, he's not he's not the Montrez that won sixth man of the year a few years ago. Like, it's hard weird to say that because he's still only 28, but he's not – he hasn't found his groove or he's not fitting. It's not working and his defense is so is is just too bad to be playing him. If his offense isn't going and because you're refusing to play Paul Reed any meaningful minutes, I think, and Chris, I think we talked about this a little last time. You You bring PJ Tucker to the bench to play the small ball five and you put Daniel house in the starting five. Daniel house is a more willing shooter. Tucker can play the small ball five. You can have him and, Harden on the floor when Joel sits we know that Works because we saw it in Houston That's that's one thing And Niang needs to get His shot together Like I I don't know what else you can Really do but like you know It's tempting to sit Niang too because Niang hasn't really had he had what One good night against the Indiana Pacers which we'll talk about here in a moment But like I just yeah You got to consider it
3: yeah, I'm, here's how I, I view the bench. And I, I need to do a better job of keeping track of who is saying something that I agree with. Because I, I forget who like put it in the way that I'm about to put it. But this is not an original Chris Klein thought entirely. But someone had posted a screenshot on Twitter that was like comparing the Pacers' bench points to Phillies' bench points. And obviously Indiana had more. You know, I think that's a little bit misleading because the way the Pacers use their bench is a very different from the way that Philly uses their bench. The way the Sixers are designed, like it or not, is that four guys in the starting lineup are going to do the bulk of the scoring. That's just how this team is built. Mm-hmm. Melton, House, probably the two main reserves right now, are there primarily for defense. Like, they, they shoot threes, and Melton can put the ball in the basket a little bit, and he's done that the past couple nights. But those guys are out there mainly because they're really high-level defenders, and obviously George hasn't quite found his shot yet. But like you know, shooters have their their cold spells, and I'm I'm sure he'll even it out with a hot streak at some point. Like I'm, I'm not too worried about George. Um, like the M- Montrose is just not very good. I you gotta try Paul Reed at this point, or like you said, just just use PJ. I I don't think you have to bring pj off the bench again you can just stagger we we, that's what they do
1: already okay let's let's but chris let's talk about that for a second pj is 30 what 37 right now and he's averaging hang on i'm pulling it up now he is averaging per minutes this season if it will actually load for me sorry i didn't have this up beforehand but this season he's only he's averaging about 30 minutes a game that's that's a lot for a 37-year-old, Chris. Like, we need to um, maybe ra- ramp it down a little bit for him, try to conserve him a little bit. Maybe average, you know, if he's coming off, you know, if you're going to, you know, play him at the small ball five, maybe only have him in for about 24 minutes or maybe even 20 minutes a game. Have him start quarters. Start get- If you're going to start him, have him only play six minutes and then have him start st- subbing him for Joel for the rest of the, you know, half. I, I d- yeah. If you're trying to make, Tucker last for the playoffs. I think that would be the best option.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think thirty minutes is, is that egregious. But I, I, mean, like I think later in the season, as as things progress, we're definitely he's going to have nights where he just sits or where he only plays twenty minutes. We saw it, you know, the past couple nights before this game where where they were able to you know kind of limit his minutes as opposed to the Milwaukee game where he's playing forty minutes a night and guarding Giannis the whole time. That's definitely not how you want to use PJ in the regular season, but like playing him 31 minutes against Toronto, I, I don't have a big deal. You know, I don't have a, a big problem with that. I, he's your fifth best player. You want him out there a lot. I, I understand it. Is um, he your fifth best player or is Melden your fifth best player? Yeah, I, I think it's PJ. Um, yeah. So like, like, going back to my point, the Sixers bench is not going to score as many points as other bench units. That doesn't inherently mean they're being less effective because again, Milton and house are really good defenders and they're bringing different elements to the game. And they're just not playing as many minutes as like the Pacers bench or the Spurs bench, for example, Um, George, again, I'm confident he'll figure it out. I I think Paul Reed should be playing over Montrez at this point. Montez is straight up just like not looked good in any matchup. So, uh, what are we doing at this point? Um, it's only five games again. Don't overreact to five games, but play Paul Reed. Um, so yeah, at, at the bench isn't hasn't been great. There were some really rough nights in Boston and Milwaukee specifically, but I think since then, like Melton has picked it up a bit. Twelve points tonight. He looked good against Indiana, better yeah. against the Spurs. Like, like, I, I, I think the bench is gonna be fine. Like, yeah, I, yeah, and House has had one or two good games. Yeah. Not tonight, but, you House, know. House isn't scoring a ton of points, but he's doing a lot of other pretty good things out there. He's still getting up a fair amount of threes. And as long as defenders, like, rush out to close out on George, he, he's pretty much playing his role. So uh, I'm I'm pretty – I'm not really as worried about the bench, I think, as, as some people are.
2: All right, cool. So, listen, the bench – Rough around the edges, needs polishing. Starters, they're, they're still trying to work together, figuring it out. But let's talk about Toronto and one more aspect before we move on to the first win of the season. Toronto's a very good team, well-coached. They have a lot of talent, young talent. But let's just be honest, they are an annoying team. Lucas, what, what annoys you the most about the Toronto Raptors?
1: You look at their players, You, they, they're not like... Uber athletes and like like Pascal Siakam, Ananobi, like when they dribble the ball doesn't look fluid, but yet for some reason they they get it done. And I just like and the thing is like they don't have they have they last season I'm pretty sure like they had four or five players rank in the top five in minutes per game, like it, it's crazy, and it drives me nuts because like they're a top heavy team like us. And their bench, like their best, they're, they're like, they only played one non-big man yes. tonight, <laughs> in Banton, who's like a six-seven point guard. The rest of them, Birch is a center, Colloquio, who's from Cameroon, also is a center. Achua is a center. Birch is a combo big, stretch big. So yeah, they're all bigs, and like they don't go for any type. They, they don't have any other wing depth, and it just drives me nuts that they can get away with it.
3: Um, you guys know me. I am a big fan of really long, skinny players who play awesome defense. So I I, I really like this Raptors team. I, I will say the number of face shots in this game is yes. mildly annoying. Thank yeah. you.
2: I'm glad you brought that up.
3: I, I don't think it's anything <laughs> intentional. I, I don't think they're like trying mm. to take and beat out as Alla was hinting at during like the third (laughs) quarter. I I think that's a bit of a stretch, but both Tyrese and Joel and James, they they all got slapped around a couple times, which I thought was mildly amusing and a little bit annoying at the same time. Um, But yeah, I mean, Toronto is just one of the more entertaining defensive teams to watch because they just put so much pressure on the ball and they have so much length that they can throw around and they're, throwing double teams everywhere they're switching everything they're just a very cool and energetic team and they try really hard which you know we don't really get to see that all the time as Sixer fans so it's <laughs> it's nice to see that um, was a really low-key shot Chris not low-key come on the Sixers <laughs> have
1: been lazy as they had been lazy yeah. this year but like the like that is, was is it
3: unwarranted
1: No, it's not, but, like, there's things that you, like, you probably, like, is it, like, okay, me and Uriah are teachers, and Uriah, I'm sure you probably said this at some point, was it true? Yes. Was it kind? No. That was not kind, Chris. No. That was not kind to the Sixers fan base. It's true, but it hurts.
3: I, I was having a conversation with my dad earlier today and he says I need to be more inflammatory. So I'm going for it. <laughs> there you go. There, there you I, go. I'm all for it, but I like I, I think I'm just shocked. Yeah. I wasn't ready for it. Um, yeah. Look, Raptors are really good. Um I I actually I have a, a twenty sixteen Redraft coming out at Fansided. dot com later in the week, Saturday. Hmm. Uh Pascal's a top three pick in my opinion. Really? Like, like, didn't we Pascal's do this really on awesome. the? Didn't we do this on the podcast last year? We might. Yeah, yeah, we
1: did, did. and did.
3: we all had different ones. Yeah. Pascal is is really good, guys. Like I, 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 I did not have as him far in the top as far as underrated years. stars go. He's he's at the top of the list, guys. He yeah. deserves a lot more credit. So he's
1: good. I'm not denying that. I just, I don't think he's a top three pick in that draft. I mean, that was a really
3: good draft, Chris. It was. I mean, but you look at the guys for, you know, I don't know Ooh. who you're picking ahead of them.
0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
2: All right. So in Philadelphia, everyone is on cloud nine because the Phillies are in the World Series. The Eagles are undefeated. Even the Flyers are really doing well at the beginning of their season but the Sixers having a hard time but they did get their first victory over the weekend they beat the Indiana Pacers at home give you some team stats and then Lucas and Chris will give you some some more specifics so in that game the Sixers shot pretty well 47 percent they uh shot really well from the free throw line 89.3 percent they did get out-rebounded by the Pacers, but it was not enough to take down the Sixers on their home court.
1: Lucas, uh, what did you take away from this victory? Um, I guess, I mean, I would definitely want to talk about the Pacers side, but for the Sixers side, it was nice to see that uh, Doc went pretty even with the center minutes. I think we saw Paul Reed first in that game, if I remember correctly, which I'm all for. Um I also like the fact that we saw Shake come in the game and get some early minutes too. You know, I think I saw. I think Noah was the one. Noah Levick of NBCS Philly that was that tweeted the comment from Doc after the games that they're leaning towards Shake being that tenth guy, which I know your eye right, hurts your soul, but it hurts your bet too. But I think it's the right move.
3: Yeah. Uh, look, guys, Jaden Springer, one block in two minutes. If you extrapolate that out to 36 minutes, that's a per-36 rate of, what, 18 blocks per 36 minutes. Uh, great start to the season for my, my guy, Jaden Springer. Um,
1: His fantasy team is called the Springer Island Blockers, by the way, folks. Yeah. one 1-0 – um, so hey i and by the way i i came back uriah and i won that that g- match up. i don't yeah. need
2: to be reminded that
1: great. <laughs> Where, where's
2: that t-shirt from duani or that,
1: that I, you know what i need to message her i'll message her after yeah, the podcast yeah, get tonight. on
2: that she's busy doing stuff for the phillies but we still need that springer island absolutely picture.
3: yeah um like i'm very pro sixers winning games uh so i i enjoyed the fact that they won this game personally uh James Harden continues to just be awesome, which is really great for me as someone who has really talked up James over the years. I really like having a good version of James Harden on the Sixers. Not that last year, you know, obviously he was very good last year, and I've said that many times, but having a James Harden of this caliber on the Sixers is, is quite entertaining. This was a, a, another pretty encouraging Joel game, just as far as how he approached things and handled pressure from the defense. And it was a better Tobias game. Not not yeah, ten, attempted game. 10 attempted
1: ten threes for Tobias. That's what I want to see more often. Yeah. Side note: Did you notice for the past this game and in the last game against the Pacers, Joel's only grabbed five rebounds in each?
3: Interesting um, yeah. side stat. Yeah, you know. Um uh, yeah it doesn't really like worry me but I mean it's it's yeah. not the end of the world it's just something to keep track of moving forward Another thing to keep track of is the fact that Paul Reed has played more minutes than Matisse Thibault through five games uh so,
2: moving but... right along <laughs> to the next
3: topic <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Look it's not my fault that Doc Rivers can't coach but anyway Oh right by so. the, by
1: the by the way we have to change the terms of of the of the of the, of the, of the bet now because no, we're but... going on YouTube Whoever loses has to wear the T-shirt oh. for for the podcast every time we record. The no, podcast. not
2: every time. Right. Oh, come not on, every time. Come on, that's a little that's a little over the
1: time. Unsanitary. <laughs> we record twice a week. You have several days in between to wash the shirt, and it's yeah, only that... for an hour. No, but that's max. gonna be
2: for like four months because you said by All Star Break,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, it. well, you have to wear it at least All for the right. as soon as you get it for the that first podcast. I'm
2: not declaring like yeah, defeat. Yeah, no, nah, look, <laughs> Thibault. Look, Doc is he's giving House a chance. Look, House does not look that great to me. I'm sorry. I looked at his numbers and I'm like, wait a minute, Thibault is at least going to get you deflection, steals, and blocks. He might not knock down as many threes, but House is not knocking down threes at a, at a great rate. But I digress. Uh, let's let's move on real quick. Pacers. You know they they're probably not going to win many games this year. So realistically, do you guys think that the Pacers are in the Victor Wimbenyana sweepstakes? Did I say
3: it right? Wimbenyana? Yeah, yeah, you said okay. it, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, Victor Wimbenyana. What yeah. do you think? Yeah, I, I think so. Look, I mean, you have a fun little backcourt with Halliburton and uh, Matherin and Jalen Smith has looked like a steal from that from the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. They didn't use him. He's been looking good. He had seventeen and ten in this game. Halliburton had 19 and 10 Matherin had 17 you're only not starting Matherin because you have Buddy Heald who will probably be traded at some point Miles Turner's going to come back he's probably going to get traded at some point like TJ McConnell might be the oldest veteran on that team after the trade deadline if he stays um shout out to TJ by the way two uh two assists one steal two points happy to see he's still in the league doing stuff um so yeah, no, I think so. And look, if you can get Wimbanyana with, you know, Halliburton and Mathrin and Smith, that's a nice young core there.
3: Yeah. Um I I agree. They are definitely going to be in the running. And look, I mean Tyrese Halliburton is pretty much an, an all star caliber player already. Like yeah. he's awesome. So Absolutely, having him and Wimbenyama would put the Pacers in a pretty sweet spot moving forward. Um, like he's up said, for a rookie extension after this year, right? Uh, I'm I'm not sure off the top of my head, but he's it's in his
1: third awful. season, so he should
3: yeah. be. Yeah. Um, yeah, like like you said, because they have a lot of other really interesting pieces. Mathurin is is doing some pretty remarkable stuff in his first few games, and Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson. Terry Taylor, all those guys are really interesting young bigs. So
1: everybody loves Terry Taylor. I don't get the anyway.
3: Um, yeah, Wimbanyama and Jalen Smith would block a lot of shots. Halliburton's going to set everyone up for for easy looks on offense. Matherin can score the heck out of the ball. Like like that has the mm. chance to be a very very good team if the lottery balls fall in their favor. Mm, absolutely. All right, so Tyrese Maxey
2: had a really good game tonight, and I think that made a lot of Sixers fans smile and be happy, even though they did not win. But recently, a new teammate of Maxey this season who got dealt to the Sixers, Melton, I think everyone would agree that he's their best bench player, and he was quoted as saying in a comparison of his former teammate, all-Star John ja Morant to his current teammate Tyrese Maxey, he said, he said they're two young, athletic, electric players that love to get up and down. They can score the ball. They're both quick as lightning. He also noted that they have two different games, though. Tyrese is more of a three-point shooter. He'll hit you with the middies. Ja, he gets to the paint at will, finishing and all that stuff. They're two separate players, but at the same time, they're really similar too. So my my question to you guys, Lucas, first. Is it too early to compare Maxie to John Moran, even though they're pretty close in age?
1: Look, I I saw somewhere where I think it was actually in our uh, group chat on Twitter, Uriah, where somebody posted stats for Maxie in his second year versus uh, Tony Parker. And I mean, the stats are kind of there. Look, if you're comparing Maxie to Tony Parker, John Moran is like pre-injury Derrick Rose. I think that's those are two fair comparisons. Not perfect, but they're close. I wouldn't I would never compare Tony Parker and Derrick Rose in terms of like play style. Cause mm-hmm. like in the quote that Melton said, they are they do play two completely different games. Maxie's more of a shooter and not so much like a high flying athlete. Morant can shoot, but he's more of the high flying athlete. And that's that's why I think you kind of see the gap, the difference there. Morant's a much better playmaker. Maxie's more of a combo guard. Morant's a playmaker. So I, I, I don't think you can, can compare them in terms of play style, but in terms of how how athletic they are in different ways, but like how they impact the game with their athleticism and like how electric
3: they can be when they get hot, I think you can compare those two.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Um, look, they're both very fast, but I, I don't know if we need to compare every fast guy. Go- like I saw a clip earlier today of someone talking about comparing Deer and Fox to John Morant. And it's like, just because guys are fast doesn't mean they're the same player. You know, like I love Maxi to death but Morant's in, in like an entirely different stratosphere right now. Like Morant Morant's one of the front runners MVP. for MVP. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's absolutely. like way too early to be naming front runners, but Morant, Morant's up there right now. Well, that's and-
2: why—that's what I asked you for. But, but one thing, a caveat though, Chris, hear me out. Ja Morant does not have a Joel Embiid on his team, and neither does he have a James Harden on his team. So, if Maxie had as many touches as Morant, perhaps he might have as many points per game as Ja. So, what do you say to that?
3: Uh, uh, I I mean I just think Jaw's way more talented at like creating his own stuff right now. Not not that Maxi can't do it or that if he were on his own team he he would be getting more of those reps and he'd be able to be better at it quicker. But like again, Morant's like a candidate to lead the league in assists, and he's gonna. Uh, you know, getting to the rim at will is overstating it because Maxi's fast and he can beat anyone downhill. But, like, Morant... He can get over top of people. He can, like, <laughs> soar. Big time. He can, like, li- quite frankly, defy gravity in a way yep. that no one else in the league can right now. Okay. So, I, I don't know. It's I think Morant's a different caliber of athlete, honestly. And Maxie's yeah. an awesome athlete, but Morant is just so unique and he's not as strong as maxi like there are differences there's give and take but yeah i i mean i i just think Morant's a way better player and frankly i i would i would guess that Morant stays a much better player over the duration of their careers i'm willing to be proven wrong i would love to like win mvp it'd be awesome but i, I think we might be setting the bar a little high if we're like he's john Morant, you know <laughs> Lucas, yeah. what do you think about yeah. that? I mean, look, to your point,
1: oh, if he had his own team, yeah. You know, Maxi might be averaging like 24, 25, uh, 5, and 6, right? But, like, that wouldn't be the most efficient version of Maxi. He probably would be shooting in the low 40s in terms of shooting percentage and probably in, like, the low 30s and three-point percentage. Like, Maxi, yeah, he could create his own offense. He could run a team, but it wouldn't be the best version of Maxi. We know that Maxie thrives, you know, playing along another playmaker. We saw it with him and Ben when he was the low playmaker in Philly, like he took, it took time for him to adjust and he was, you know, starting to make the adjustment, but I don't think he'll ever like, like Chris said, it's not really like, yes, they're both electric athletes and that they can impact the game with their athleticism. But like Chris said, they're different types of athletes and Maxie's never going to be on the same level because Maxie's not the leaper. That jaw is, and that that athlete, you know, that high spring athleticism is what makes Jaw so different from everybody else since Derek Rose. And yes, yeah, we will keep I mean, on
3: saying, yeah, go ahead. Great example tonight is like Maxi, for all his wonderful speed and he, he gets stuffed a pretty fair amount at the rim. Like yeah. he's still learning how to how to finish in certain spots. So he, he's got a ways to go before he's, he's on Jaw's level.
2: Yeah, yeah, good points on both sides. The last topic tonight, we're sticking with Maxi. Up until tonight, he really hasn't had, uh, I guess, a typical Maxi game that we saw last season and obviously in the preseason, making some, some bad decisions with passing, like you said, Chris, getting met at the rim and, and snuffed. So after this really good game that he played tonight, great production offensively, Do you think he's back to form? Is this the maxi you think we're going to get for the rest of the season?
1: Look, this team still needs to figure out their offensive identity. So it was nice to see maxi. I don't expect to see consistently yet. I I think we need to give this team, uh, like, in terms of getting an offensive identity and cohesion, like we probably need to not worry about their offense until like game 15 or 20. Like, I, I'm not worried about – like, if they if somebody's off or somebody's on one night and then it switches the other night for the first, like, 15, 20 games, I think that's expected because the James Harden that we have this year is not the James Harden we had last year. So I think in that regard, like, you have to be patient with it. And, like, yeah, Maxi looked great. And, like, I don't think Maxi ever was, like, out of form. I think he's trying to figure out his role with this new version of James Harden with Joel, with Tobias, all that stuff. So I'm not, I'm not worried about the core for like figuring it out yet, yeah, because like Tobias only had five shots tonight. The previous game he had like 14. Hmm. So like it's, it's gonna give t- be some give and take. Don't worry, like Maxi might have a, a bad game here or there. Like I, I think what's gonna happen is that once we get to game 15 or 20, we'll have a good idea what the uh, like. I think the players will be more comfortable and we'll have a better idea what the offense is going to look like moving forward.
3: Yeah, excellent points all around. I, I think, again, just the nature of how this team is built, Maxi's production is going to be somewhat sporadic because Joel and James are going to be in control of the ball most possessions, and Maxi has the chance to go off for a big night every now and then, but he's also going to have nights like the Pacers game you know, where he scores eight points and James and Joel are up in the high twenties, thirties. And they're, they're doing the, you know, they're carrying the majority of the workload. I, I, that's not really a problem. It's like a nice luxury to have three, four really good offensive players. Like we all want to see Maxi succeed. We want him to win most improved player. We want to see Maxi have a bunch of 30 point games. They're fun to watch. And he's a great electric player when he's on, but when you have two veteran superstars like Joel and James, those guys are going to be priority number one and priority number two in the offense. And that's how it should be because those guys are are just much better at compromising the defense. And that's how you get things going. So, yeah, it's going to... He's going to have his ups and downs this season. That's just the nature of how this team is built and the nature of his role next to Joel and James. But like, like Lucas said... Maxi benefits a whole lot from that role, and I, I don't think he would look as good if he was asked to be the number one guy. He, he would score points. He would look good. But I, I don't think his efficiency would hold up the same, and, and I think it would be a lot harder for him than it is when he gets to attack weaker defenders playing off of Joel and James who draw double teams every time they touch the ball. So it, it's a good spot for him to be in, and I, we will see more you know, 30 point game from them this season. There's going to be plenty. So. All right. They're coming.
2: Sounds good guys. All right. So next time that we're together, we're going to be on YouTube. So there we go. Yeah. So Chris, go ahead and go play us out, man.
3: All right. To all the listeners of the Six Your Sense podcast. Thank you. once again for tuning in. Uh, That that was weird. Um, Don't know what happened (laughs) with my voice there. Thanks again for tuning he in puberty. To another episode. He puberty, um,
2: <laughs>
3: it's about time, I, 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 Chris. I'm a big boy now. Um, <laughs> please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, and pretty soon we'll be on YouTube. Um, we are also on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersense. We are on the web at the SixerSense.com. If you're ever like, hey, I want to read about the Sixers. Where can I read about the Sixers? Try the time We got some good stuff out there. And yeah, peace out, everyone. Go Sixers, go Eagles, go Phillies. We'll see you face to face, sort of. Not really, next week. Bye, y'all. Powered by Riverside.